everybody and welcome to this is episode six of the Inspired Marketing Group podcast. My name is David Coughlin. Uh, I'm one of the co-founders and I'm joined as always by Richard Johnson. Hello. Going to say anything, Rich? You always do that. No, Every that's, time. That's, 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 that's all I say. <laughs> and um, for this episode, uh, we are joined by a former colleague, um, and a client of Inspired Marketing Group, the excellent marketer, Karen Dales. Oh, what a, what a lovely intro, Dave. Thank you very much. Nice to be here. No, pro no problem. Yeah, thank, thanks for joining us. Really appreciate your time. Okay. And um, yeah, I appreciate you're busy. So do you want to just give us a quick um, who you are, where you've come from, yep. what you're doing now? Yeah, sure. So um, as per introduction, uh, my name's Karen. Uh, I am presenting today from my little office, a little village where I live just south of Nottingham. Um, I've lived in a couple of different places outside Nottingham, but mostly around the kind of South Nottingham Midlands area. Um, I live here with my partner, Dave, and our two quite loud basset hounds, Rosie and Lola. Um, so that's me here. And uh, yeah, I've been working in marketing scarily now for 22 years. Don't wow. do the back maths. So you yeah. started when you were 30, uh, when you were eight then, did you? When I was about 13, yeah, yeah, teenager. <laughs> I started young. Yeah, I started young. Yeah, crazy, 20, 22 years. Uh, and that's post-university. So yeah, you can, kind of, you can kind of do the maths from there, really. And uh, yeah, so I currently... Um, Obviously worked with you guys at Experience since quite a long time ago now, and um, I now work as a marketing director for the Access Group. I've been there for just over four years now. Tell us about the Access Group, Ben. So obviously uh, we know we know a lot about it, but you know what what do you do? What do we do? So we are first and foremost we're a software provider. Um, we until about eighteen months ago we were very much a UK software provider. Uh, but we've expanded um, hugely over the last 18 months internationally. So we now sell in um, Asia Pac quite strongly. We've got uh, parts of our business in Australia, New Zealand, and we sell into the States and parts of EMEA as well. But probably predominantly our growth has been in um, Asia Pacific, which has been fascinating. But yeah, we're fundamentally a software provider. We provide software to, I'd say, small and medium-sized businesses. We do sell to larger organizations, but not into your sort of top enterprise end, um, very much kind of mid-market. We sell a range of solutions that support businesses do what they do. So one of our stat lines is actually freedom to do more. So we sell um, your sort of there's fairly standard business software solutions like financial management, HR, payroll, some really nice digital learning and development tools. But we also specialize in certain and helping certain sectors. So we've got a big presence in health and social care, um, a whole range of software that we provide there, which helps um, carers in larger um, organizations, but also domiciliary. So where people go around to people's houses, it's just little apps where they log their hours, they log the notes. So really quite sort of um, practical, informal, um, really valuable, especially at the moment, services. Uh, we also work in hospitality, uh, recruitment, uh, and we do quite a bit in the, uh, what you call supply chain, which has been a very interesting area over the last 18 months. So we've seen huge, we've actually seen, you know, quite huge growth in that area. So as more uh, retailers have turned to selling their goods online, 
you kind of see the nice shiny internet up front, but what then goes on behind the scenes is really quite complex and is, is 100% supported by software. So you place your order on say Amazon, Amazon kicks through to the retailer, the retailer has to see if they've got their stock, then they have to get the stock to the warehouse, then they have to get it out to you as, as, a, as a consumer. So that whole process behind the scenes um, is super important. And you probably know as consumers, I think our expectations are higher now than they were pre-COVID. So if your package doesn't arrive tomorrow, you're like, okay, guys, come on, Amazon can do better than that. So expectations around that kind of service delivery are really, really high. So that, I mean, that's one of the areas that I work in specifically. And uh, yeah, I've seen phenomenal growth um, and, and a real range of customers from quite large retailers and big third-party logistics companies to um, uh, somebody working um, on their own where they've created something bespoke that they sell at potentially quite a high price, low volume, um, the whole range of stuff really. So yeah, that's very, very interesting. And pharmaceutical companies actually is another area we work Sorry. in, um, production management. So yeah, lots of stuff. I could go on. Wow. <laughs> so I guess the last 18, yeah, 18 months for access must have been unbelievable. And I guess a real shift in terms of where you maybe used to make a bunch of money and now where you, you know, it's shifted, like you said, with, with the sort of move yeah. to digital. Yeah, although it's, it's a similar sector. So we have, you know, we have been impacted. So we sell a lot of software into the hospitality sector. So obviously that's an area that has been impacted, but actually it's also, it's, it's gone in waves. So as the hospitality sector are trying to come back online, again, software is helping all these businesses. You think now you go into a bar, it's all on an app everything is software based. So there are sectors that have definitely seen sort of peaks and troughs over the last 18 months, but nearly all the businesses we support have seen a, an increasing need for um, software, and specifically software in the cloud. So SaaS solutions, which is what we specialize in. A, a random one from me, Karen, and you may mm -hmm. have answer because it's not particularly your sort of division, but uh, you mentioned about pharmaceuticals, pharmaceuticals and that. have. Access yep. played any part in the COVID kind of rollout in terms of? Um, I think it's been not directly, and it's probably fair to say that the pharmaceutical organisations are quite, um, there's still quite a lot of restrictions around how much they can talk about in terms of what they produce and where they produce. But there are a number of companies that we work with that we know have been involved in that process. I wouldn't be able to, as far as to say our software is specifically linked to it, but. Yeah, we, we definitely know there's been a few pharmaceutical companies that we've worked with that have been involved in some way. Yeah. And actually, the other one we've come across is a couple of companies, uh, manufacturing organisations that started uh, producing PPE. Yeah. So we have, we have had that with our customer base as well, which is quite that, interesting. That's what I was going to say about PPE. Yeah. So all the hidden stuff in terms of distribution, yeah. the manufacturing of that, you probably don't know you're involved in it, but you are involved. Yeah. So, yeah, we did do one customer case study, and I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but yeah, they definitely flipped some of their manufacturing, I think from some sort of specialist automotive parts or something, into, into PPE um, on mass production. So yeah, there has been quite a lot of interesting stuff going on and changes over the last 18 months. And how has is, how is Access sort of adapted? Obviously, as your clients change, their needs change. What's that, what's that meant for you folk in terms of... So I think it's fair to say one of the things that I like about Access is we've always been a fairly um, I don't know, informal company. Right? We've been fairly 
digitally focused anyway as a business. So we've always had an amount of flexible working um, because we've grown through acquisition. We've got lots of buildings kind of all over the place. So your sort of policy of where you work has always been fairly flexible and informal and people have pop up in that office and then up that office. We've always been all laptop based. Um, so actually for us, the flip wasn't, I think we managed to flip within about a day. I think there were probably a few roles that maybe weren't laptop based, but predominantly we were all pretty mobile anyway. So in terms of working, um, that wasn't too much of a flip. I think how we've worked with clients has probably changed and our, our sales team would have more insight on that, I guess, but their roles are probably some of them that have changed the most because they would have been out and about. It's all digital now. We do a lot of stuff through video. Um, and actually the feedback is that that's, that's been pretty successful. So it's not that they won't go out and see clients again, but it definitely won't be to the scale that we saw before. How have you, um, how, how have you personally found sort of, I know you said that mm -hmm. you were quite remote in the past, but how have you personally found managing a team for like the Remotely. Like 18 months? Yeah. Them. is it tested is it how's it, what's it yeah been like? I, funnily enough managing the team part that that hasn't been particularly challenging so we well i say we know know each other but we've had new team members coming in that kind of direct um management and direct working groups for me works really well digitally you've got as much ability to sort of interact you get plenty of time with them that side i think has worked quite well the bit that i think we've missed um is the more informal chat, informal working and the wider network. So my direct network, who I, I've got several groups that I work with on a regular basis, and those relationships have um, probably strengthened and grown and we've, we've worked really effectively. The ones I miss are maybe the people I don't know quite so well or the people that I don't have, have work to do with. I'm not on projects or anything specific, but I would have seen them around the office, would have said hello, had a little chat. That inform, Those informal relationships are the ones that I've seen a lot less of um and i think and i think miss um that's that's the thing i think mm. you get from having an office being able to go in different people that maybe you wouldn't necessarily have a reason to have a meeting with you get to have that chat with um that's the one thing with digital you tend to have to almost have a reason to have a conversation that's, that's really a bit different I, i've not i've not to be honest i've not really thought about that and actually mm. uh, so it, i guess one thing when you were talking then it's almost like there's not really a danger of you becoming siloed because you're networking across no, the division. No. But do you think potentially your execs almost are not having those coffee machine conversations? Because like you said, you've got to have a reason to have a conversation with somebody, you just can't bump into them. Yeah, no, I think, so I don't think, I don't think it's, it's actually, it's a more social thing than a work thing. So I don't think, I think if they have people they need to speak to, they will reach out to their network. So I don't think it impacts day-to-day -day work it's very much the informal sort of relationships but i guess they're the ones that you also can't necessarily put the value on straight away so you know i mean you know you've worked in you've worked in the industry for years as well those informal relationships can sometimes be as important as the formal ones um so i don't think it's it matters what job you've got or what level you're at i suspect that's similar for everybody, especially probably in a larger organization. If it's a really small company and maybe you're only 20 people, you probably all speak all the time, but you get into those bigger organizations. And yeah, I mean, I have colleagues I worked with in divisions I worked in when I first started, uh, and I used to love catching up with them, but actually I haven't really done that. Um, you're busy, it's not, you kind of think, oh, maybe drop them a chat, but it's definitely, definitely not the same. So I think it's the informal relationships. 
that have changed a bit. And that's probably the bit that I, so I've started going back to the office in June. We've looked at, did a bit of a trial basis with very small numbers of people and I volunteered to go in. It certainly won't be every day, but I, I was looking forward to that being back in a sort of professional environment, a nice office, um, and just talking to a few people that I wouldn't necessarily speak to day to day. And it has, it has been really nice. And you've got a beautiful new office as well. We have got a very nice new office, so that definitely helps. Um, if it was one of the older buildings, I'm not sure the appeal would be quite so much. But yeah, we have got a really, a really beautiful new office um, that was built. I think it was finished around March, April time. Um, so actually, timing-wise, quite good. Not quite the big bang opening that was planned, but but I think that will still that will still come. Maybe October time. And what's what's the plan for the business to move move back? What's the sort forward plan um very slow slow hybrid working flexibility all those things so um there'll be no pressure for anyone to come back until they feel comfortable obviously so much of it is dependent on regulations as well so you can kind of have a plan um but then if the regulations change it all changes so the building is built on sort of a hot desk it was never meant to be 100% capacity. It was always going to be around hot desking, but obviously not really supposed to share desks, I don't think. I think that's part of the regulations. So we're quite dependent on, on yeah. that, really. But yeah, very much a phased approach. Um, and then I think the view is we will follow effectively a hybrid working model. People that want to come into the office uh, will do so, I suspect, two or three days a week. Um, yeah, but it will be very, I think it'll be a very gradual return. There won't suddenly be a big bang maybe maybe after christmas mm. I, don't, I don't know it's, it's really hard to say because it's just so dependent on what happens around us i've certainly learned over the last 18 months that you there's certain things you just can't plan for <laughs> so we'll see yeah absolutely i mean yeah yeah who, who knows i think yeah like you said with your business it sounds like it was almost set up to operate like this anyway yeah we were we were certainly um we were certainly geared up but pretty well yeah pretty well it, it wasn't it wasn't too difficult for for us to kind of pivot that fairly quickly um but i suspect lots of businesses were in well we know a lot there are a lot of businesses in in different situations so yeah it's certainly been a test of the it systems over the last 18 months i'm gonna i'm gonna ask a question about sort of your your career actually and obviously we work together at Experian. yeah and uh, you mentioned a word there which i dave talks about it a lot and I absolutely attribute that to a VC back business. Pivot. Okay. How, how, uh, okay. Have found, how have you found working for a VC back business compared to almost like a traditional shareholder corporate like experience? Yeah, um, quicker, really. So pivot, you're right. It's an interesting, basically that means changing in a day. Um, that, that's basically really what it means. So yeah, um, pace, uh, pace of change. Um, also openness to trying things. So um, I think because of the, and I, and I don't know if that's all VC, because I've only really worked for Access as a, as a VC back company. So I don't know if that's all VC back companies or particularly Access. It's definitely a really strong kind of trait of Access to the classic kind of um, fail fast kind of scenario. So they're always open to trying things. It's, it's always about, you know, here's an opportunity, let's have a go at this. Um, but it's, yeah, but it's all really super quick. Um, our favorite expression 
is um, how do we do more? So that's great. That's really let's. Have, so if we did this, could we do more? Um, so that's yeah, that's kind of the motto at the moment. So yeah, I I enjoy it. I like the pace, um, and I like being in a growth organisation. Um, I think that with it that comes with a level of um, a bit more freedom to try things, try different things, um, try out new opportunities. Yeah, it, think, it is different. I think you're underselling the word growth with access. So <laughs> yeah, we, maybe. We've been working with you probably since early February, and me yep. and Dave have a little, have a little uh, tick bar, and it's like every time you purchase a business and put something out, I'm just like the one, the one, the one. I, I think you're you're double figures in five months. Yeah, I kind of avoided that slightly because I can never quite remember the numbers, and I'm really, really, really supposed to know those numbers in my role. Um, but yeah, well, I mean, we're double, we're double digit organic growth, and then when you add in the acquisitions, um, yeah, probably plus twenty percent up to thirty percent uh, growth. So yeah, huge and. And it will either be lots of different types of growth, which I think is really interesting. So sometimes we'll add a, a whole new sector. So this year we launched uh, the Access Legal Division, so kind of a whole new separate sector. And then obviously international uh, for us has been huge over the last year. And we bought some really quite substantial sized businesses uh, over in New Zealand and in Australia. And yes, we do expect that to continue, I think, for the next, uh, next few you years. On, and, and I guess, yeah, question kind of related is, is sort of how do you how do you plan for that? How do you resource yeah. it? How do you, you know, assemble a team to support this acquisition, these acquisitions and this growth? Yeah, and that has probably been when we were talking about um, you sort of asked me before this sort of around challenges, and that that is one of the big ones because you can't plan entirely in the way I would have done before. So I kind of remember the old days when you'd probably restructure the team maybe once a year. At best, you might have a look at it midway through the year and it was a whole process and there would be lots of discussions and PowerPoint org charts and et cetera, et cetera. And there'd be a big announcement and everyone would move around. Um, and yeah, so that, that doesn't work at all. We're constantly asked, um, so our, our exec team are, are, are really good. So our board are really good. They're very experienced. They've all done this before. And they're, they're constantly pushing us to always recruit for a year to two years ahead. So whatever you think now, go for the, go for the best talent, go for the best experience. And, and, that, and that's actually really empowering. So it's great to be told actually, yeah, then you're not restricted by budget. Not to say there isn't a budget, but that isn't the main factor. Whereas I think when I've done recruitment before, it's always there's the budget line. So work to that. It's more go and find our future talent, and then we'll discuss what what we what we need to do about that. So yeah, that definitely comes from them. So it's always trying to go for that when you are doing the recruitment. But I think that you know that does need quite nicely to why we started working with you because, and I thought about this because it's not just about. And myself and Lucy Lever to talk about this. So Lucy's the other lady in Access that you've been working with quite a bit. And we've talked about this and, and why we think the model works and, and actually how we think it, it will evolve. Because when you bring in a new acquisition um, or actually any sort of business growth opportunity, the resource you need to get that up and running is maybe not the same resource that you're going to need in six months' time when it becomes BAU. So actually having the opportunity to... Yeah put resource onto either an opportunity or a part of the business that you're kind of just just working out really and trying to figure out and get to know 
if you dived in and started recruiting permanent heads left, right and centre, you probably wouldn't get the right people. Uh, you might do it for a need that you have now, but you might not have in six months time. So I think you still need to have the foundations of a really strong team of talent that that has to be at the heart of any kind of growing organization but i think there's a lot of logic to boosting that with specific skill sets as and when you need it which is is you know it's a great segue into what you guys do because when you explained your model it was like that light bulb was like yes that's exactly what i need i need that flexibility um and i need all those different skills but i can't afford to hire five people so yeah i think that the, the sort of rate of growth that we're looking at actually this this model really is ideal um because you actually couldn't resource to that future yeah. piece. I, I don't know what size we will be as a business or division in six months time i can i can give you a sort of approximate percentage number but whether that's been growth internationally or growth in a sector that part i wouldn't know so yeah it's, re it's really interesting karen because actually some of the some of the some of the some of the the best ideas are are so obvious, and actually, yeah. you know, when we sat and talked about this, we talked, and actually, how you describe the core team is something actually is probably a nice way of of, of sort of outlining that is we we've all been in marketing for so long. You have a set team and a marketing plan which completely changes. So you write it in July, if that's the start of your yeah. manager year, and then two months later you ripped it up and start again. But yeah. you can't, shouldn't rip up a team and start again. No. But that, those needs ebb, ebb and flow. And that's my yeah. and Dave's life at the moment where we were like, and it was driven by what we needed as client-side marketeers. That yeah. thing of your core team, there's the marketing plan. Three months in, we're changing. Right, we now need to drop in that yeah. skills. I don't know how long we need them for. And we, yeah. that's what the model does. And it, it, it's worse. Yeah. We always speak to loads of people every day and we're just like, oh, I wish I'd have thought about that. And it was just like, it was, it's so simple, but it's effective, I personally. Yeah. Well, I think because one of the other, well, it's interesting to say about the marketing plan, actually, because I was thinking about that. And, I, and I, I think we've evolved from that as well. We don't really. So we anchor ourselves on KPI. So I am literally doing the uh, finishing off the plans now. So we start our new financial year today, actually, 1st of July. We're FY22. Uh, Happy New Year. <laughs> Um, but I'm trying to, so I'm just nailing down all the targets and everything now. And, and actually, in terms of plans, we will always produce short term plans because you need to demonstrate to people what marketing you're doing. They're generally three, three months max. Really, the idea of an annual marketing plan is completely gone. We just anchor ourselves on KPIs. So my plan will effectively be a set of KPIs for each core area of the business that I want to monitor. And actually, for me, that's all I'll probably really want to know. In terms of what activities are happening, the team will update various stakeholders so people like to see what's being done. But in terms of sort of that plan and control, I think it's all KPI-based now, really, um, and mostly digital. And I think that's the right way of doing it. But I think you'll be surprised still how many people produce their year plan, Excel, this is what I'm going to be mm -hmm. doing. And actually, it never gets done because it just... No, I, suspect, I suspect there are people in the team that definitely still have an Excel that they map out themselves. And that's fine because that's how you manage your time. And I've definitely got a few PowerPoint decks that I will often have there just as a... Because you've often got to present your thinking. Um, yeah. yeah, really planning. I think it's it's monitoring KPIs. I mean, you know, you've, um, you've put a lady in with us recently. Emily, she's come on as one of our sort of digital product owners, which is a new role for access. Um, and we're finding with the um, 
probably slightly lower value, higher volume SaaS products that we sell, we, we need to be checking in. I mean, we talk about an annual plan. It's not even a monthly plan. We're checking in every few days on those stats and we're making changes live as we see things. You know, if a one page isn't converting, we'll maybe put some new copy on there. So yeah, the model is changing more and more. And I think SaaS, the more people are moving online and buying online and being used to doing everything online, that model will, will just become stronger actually. I think we'll do those sorts of changes. Think, yeah, we'll become more like B2C. We're becoming more like B2C than ever before, I think. <laughs> that was exactly what I was just about to say. Yeah. We've, we've placed a couple of people, I think, um, very recently, like this week, um, a lady we placed into your team who's got an e-commerce background. Yeah. And, and we, we had a conversation with her in terms of, you know, access are growing so fast, the, the transactional online. The don't worry about it being B2B and I've been yeah. hammering this bloody drum for years in terms of it's yeah. person to person or human to human not B2B or B2C and I think what we're really seeing and again it's probably driven by you know the macro stuff going on digitization demands consumer demands and just people demands of want it now yeah um with, yeah like you say B2B marketing is not dead but it, it's definitely moving in terms of yeah becoming more and, and i think probably yeah, yeah, yeah. the three of us talked about this in the past actually david i think we probably talked about this back at experian but i think that is one thing that covid has accelerated is that connection of the two because everybody does everything online and actually that whole thing you as a human you as a consumer are the same person as the person that does goes into work and does business i think without realizing that shift online that has probably been quite immense so you talk about the hybrid working different ways of working actually whether you work in an office or at home that maybe won't change quite so much but how you want to buy the services that you need in your in your job or in your role i think that probably has changed more than we've realized yet actually do you think the mindsets actually changed quicker because of the circumstance so if you think about it you, you you get put you get up in the morning you get dressed you go to work and you're potentially a different person in an office mm. because we've been working from home for the last 18 months if we were to you know old school send you some direct mail now you're yeah. receiving it in the same environment as karen dales who's who lives yeah. at home and do you think the mind shift has happened because we're not we're not um sort of um putting our life in boxes in terms of work and, 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 and home. Yeah. No. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I think it's, you know, I, I think we won't, none of us will actually know how much it's impacted what we do and how we think probably for another year. I think it'll be one of these things. We're still really kind of in it, aren't we? So I think it'll be another year before we look back and really see the changes. But yeah, all of those, all of the above. One thing I have definitely noticed going back to the office is it's definitely more casual. So people have had an insight into people's home lives. You know, I've made the point or effort to try and get ready-ish for work every day because it's something that I, I like to do. However, there's jogging pants around, there's slippers, there's flip-flops, that sort of thing. And I think going back to the office, um, <laughs> I don't think a formal office environment so much will come back. I think it will be slightly more casual in a nice way, not just dress code, but I think everything has become a bit more relaxed. People have had, yeah. to, had to relax, um, yeah. yeah, especially with people having to do the homeschooling. Um, yeah, just generally. I mean, everybody now is kind of used to those interruptions on the calls and no one minds. Um, it's actually 
almost quite a nice part of the day, really, when it's guessing who's going to get the interruption yeah. first and who it's going to be. Yeah, it's a really, really nice observation, actually, which I hadn't really sort of clocked. But like you, you say, you, you're right. You know, you can see this is my study, my picture of my kids. Yeah, on you've got your picture. And, yeah, you and your wife. You know, that sort of, yeah. But it goes back to that human to human thing, right? You, say, you're getting yeah. an insight into. Yeah, yeah. So even as colleagues, you know, you know, especially when we were all at Experian, it was, you know, suits, shirts. It's fairly you know, formal still, wasn't it? Yeah. Sales directors or, or account directors. It was all really, you know, it wasn't really formal. It was, it was a good working environment, but it was definitely business mode. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it'd be interesting. I'm not, yeah, you're right. I'm not sure we'll go back to that. No, London is one that interests me and that bustle of London. So I have been down to London once and it wasn't, it was far from dead, but there certainly wasn't that bustle. Um, I don't know. I think that's one of the cities that it's very much TBC, how far that, that will come back. Um, I mean, obviously like the office that we've got, it's a, it's a living office, it's on a science park. So generally, you know, you're not commuting um, with public transport, it's not the same thing in the city centre. Uh, there's lots of green space around it, lovely big building. Um, it's quite different. Um, feeling, I suppose, to getting on a tube train. I mean, I don't think anyone can yet imagine. I mean, can anyone actually remember what it was like to get on a tube train at eight o'clock in the morning? I mean, that right now, you just can't imagine that happening, can you? Being wedged in against the door. There's <laughs> a door I, shut. I, 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 got a, I got in my car and drove to see Dave last week, week before. Yeah. And I was like, I hate this. I literally hate it. It's like doing <laughs> on the A610. I was like, Ooh. really? Well, yeah, like, there's no traffic on my landing, but it's like... Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, you see, thing is, though, you say about the driving, so, so far I've noticed the traffic isn't quite as bad as it used to be, but and it, and it quickly comes back, the commuting annoyance. But the first few times, I actually just liked getting in my car and going out. I mean, it was in the summer, so it's quite nice. Um, I'm not sure how I'll feel in January, but um, but I think it's about it's about variety for me. So for me, having five days in this office, it's too much. So I'm here at the weekend. You know, I'm very lucky. I've got a lovely office here. Uh, we live in, you know, a really nice, nice place. It's, it's a nice environment to work in. I've got everything that I need, but I just like a little bit of variety. So and, and so to get in the car, go out a couple of days, go and buy coffee, go and buy lunch out is a nice balance with having the freedom to work from here as well, and maybe do something before you start work or start earlier, finish earlier, kind of thing. So. I think that's the one thing that COVID will will help more people embrace. Um, it's that kind of flexibility and variety. I don't think it's all one way or all the other. Um, I think it's a combination, and everybody's different. Everybody has different different personal preferences. Um, so that's what we will. That's certainly what we the model that we are anticipating that we will go to. And as I say, for access, it's not a massive step. We were relatively flexible before. Um, I think that just just takes it one. It just takes it one step further, really. I know, I know we've touched on this about sort of the working relationship we have uh, between the access group and the inspired marketing group, but I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm interested to understand, um, obviously when, when we first had a conversation about potential opportunities in February, yeah. um, you, you clearly had a choice of the, the traditional recruitment, yeah. model, the traditional contractor model, yeah. using our kind of setup. And I know you've kind of touched on it. Yeah. It'd be good to understand 
Yeah, I mean, so as I say, it was uh, probably the biggest driver to start with was speed. Um, so we had this acquisition come in. There was an opportunity we wanted to explore doing something a bit different, but I, we didn't have the resource in the team. They didn't have the resource in their team. And we didn't, we didn't want to impact BAU. We wanted to do it as net new. Um, recruitment still for permanent roles probably takes about three months to do it properly. And, and actually, I'm a big advocate of doing it properly. So it probably shouldn't happen in, le in, a, in a shorter time frame. Um, and then, and so, yeah, so my first thought was sort of more traditional contractor route. It's something we've done before and relatively successfully. But again, the, the time period is difficult with that because um, the, my experience to date has been that your better contractors tend to want the longer contracts. So if you offer 12 months, you get some really good people, but the short-term contractors, it was always a market that I, I think maybe as a contractor, it was never particularly attractive in the past. So there were a lot less of them, um, harder to find, that kind of thing. So I think that's why I came to you because I knew you'd sort of touched on the fact that you would probably do more shorter-term contracts. We hadn't really gone in it, into any detail, but when we did, it, it was absolutely that. So it was... Um, it's that short term being able to be short term but still have the quality because I think that's the thing I used to I would have been worried about with some of the older models that perhaps those shorter term contracts well they just, they just weren't necessarily available short term contract people um, with the sort of skill sets that we were looking for so so yeah I think I think that and then and then as we so I think the first role we looked at that was very much the driving point and then as we talked in more detail about how it all worked Obviously, a big part for me going forward is also that I have to do a lot less vetting. There's a lot less of my time invested in reviewing different candidates. So I can focus my time perhaps on other initiatives or the, the permanent roles that we're recruiting and taking my time with that and doing that as thoroughly as possible. But then because I know your, your, your guys' background um, and I know you wouldn't suggest anyone to me that you wouldn't recruit yourself. And I know your standards are quite high. That level of security for me of bringing someone in is really quite immense, actually. It's quite hard to measure. And, and it, it would be interesting to get Lucy's perspective and maybe we should have asked her because as I say, we've worked together before. So I, I intrinsically have seen your work. I know, I know your quality of work. I know your level of thinking. Um, but actually I think Lucy's got gained a similar level of trust in you fairly quickly so as I say it's hard for me to say how much is my knowledge of you in the past versus my knowledge and experience of you in recent months but yeah definitely the fact that you're taking away you're basically de-risking something that could be high risk and recruitment yeah. is a massive gamble isn't it isn't in the fact that yeah it's um and I suppose what one thing again one of the things me and Dave always talked about was flexibility and yeah. actually really wanted that situation of the marketing plan has changed so you can swap out your resource so you yeah. can, you've got a content writer today you can have a pp specialist yeah and, and that, I, I mean that's amazing really i actually hadn't really thought that that would be possible i've never thought that that would actually be possible um and i still actually am quite amazed how you kind of balance it all and and as it is we probably haven't chopped and changed the skill sets quite so much but it's definitely those short term we only really commit to sort of three months which is, is brilliant for me because it, yeah, it just completely de-risks. It gives me, it gives me the opportunity to try out new things and to dive into opportunities and be able to say to my stakeholders and the board, yes, yeah, great idea. I'll get on that rather than saying, yes, yeah, great idea. 
give me a couple of months, I'll try and recruit someone and then we'll start. You know, it just, it, it's a completely <laughs> different, it's, it's a completely different scenario. Yeah, you can kind of imagine that that doesn't, you went that way, that's not going to work. It's really not going to work anymore. Um, but yeah, this is a great, it's a great solution. And I guess, so I don't know from your, um, from the contractor side, I've not really asked them, but I'm assuming they get a similar level of comfort that they know there's enough, you've got enough clients and it's kind of that, management I guess that you guys are doing is kind of resource and need and yeah I mean I, I'm, I'm kind of curious actually how it is it, it feels like it would be quite hard to manage that but it doesn't look you don't make it look like it's it's a lot of work so I don't I don't know how how is that well, I like the swans Karen it's, yeah it's pedaling furiously but on the top we're gliding I think to be honest and, and not to not to kind of give away too much of uh, but you know secret, secret sauce is that <laughs> Our USPs, we don't we don't traditionally contract with the old traditional contractors. These yeah. are who were, for argument's sake, like yourself, marketing director, done it for years, and then said, "Do you know what? I really just want to focus on this part of marketing." So yeah. I set up my own copywriting business, or I set up my own PPC business. And actually, what we do, we contract with with ex, all ex-client side marketeers, so people who yeah. do to do, role and have done it for years before, but are running their own business. And what they get on their side is that they're traditionally not looking for five days a week for 12 months because no. they're their own client pool. What they're looking for is almost lead generation. And they're either, uh, yeah. they either can't do it because they haven't got time, or they're not as effective as they want to be. And, and, in, and, and our simple model is you or whoever will provide us a brief, we need this skill set. We go yep. out to our community and say, we've got these copywriters, these SEO specialists. We contact them and say, have you got a day a week for the next three months to work for the access group? And they say, yes, no, or I don't really want to work with that business. Not that anyone's ever said that, by the way. But, but, yeah, <laughs> no way that would ever happen. No, no exactly. way. But, but that's how it works. So to an effect, yep. We, we fill their time as well. So it's all, you know, the, we have lots of conversations with people who are like, yeah, I really want to join the community. Can you find me a contract which is 12 months uh, at five days a week? And it's like, that's a job. That's not... Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that's a job. Yeah, that's, not yeah, that's a good... Offer. We, <laughs> offer, yeah. we offer that short-term expertise, you know, the mm. lady we placed in. She's doing yeah. very well by herself. I've got a day and a half a week spare great yeah that time. well the other thing that i've noticed with everybody you play so you sort of touched on it there but i think this this is the sort of people that you're getting is they do strategy and doing so most of the things that i would need doing especially if it's a sort of a quick opportunity we want to explore i need someone that can think about it for themselves but i also want them to probably get on and do it i mean one of the things with access that i've always loved is we're not a particularly hierarchical company everybody kind of gets on with their own job um and that's the sort of, but we actually want, you've kind of almost hit the head, we, we want that experienced marketeer that can do the thinking and can do the sort of um, positioning of what they're doing and will actually get in, write a bit of copy, might get into the email system and put it together, does a little bit of design. We, we kind of want the, the end-to-end piece. And I think I think they're the sorts of people um, that, you're, that you're attracting, whether that was intentional or not intentional, but that's definitely what I've seen in the, the people that we're bringing in which is exactly what we need. Yeah, 100%. And, that, and again, that's sort of our, our sort of client side marketer sort of community is, is exactly for that reason. You know, they, 
they, they used to run in teams, managing teams, doing the do as well as sort of presenting to stakeholders, managing people. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and yeah, that was, that was intentional on our side because, and again, you know, we, we can help de-risk our community because we've got breadth of clients. So we've got, you know, SME clients, we've got a, one of our SME clients. Yeah. I think we've changed the team for him every single month um, oh, wow. as we've sort of tested and, and adjusted stuff. So, um, but again, you know, folk are happy because they'll be doing a day a week for him they'll be doing two days for yeah. another client and a, you know so we can we can and they're sort of de-risked um de-risked like that but uh yeah yeah brilliant really 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 glad to hear that it's it's working for you and um, yeah really appreciate your time that's gone so fast but um, yeah yeah really really good insight from the sort of from the client side so thank you for that karen no problem at all. Um, so so yeah so that's, that's that's done thanks very much Thanks for, for listening. Thanks for watching. I hope you've enjoyed it. Um, if you work in a high growth business, whether you're you know, mid corporate like uh, Access or if you're a, a VC backed startup, then you want to work with us, you want some, some capacity to help you get going, then uh, have a look at the website, the iagroup.co.uk. Um, similarly, if you're a client side marketer and you want to jump out, <laughs> go freelance really do do something that you love work from the beach work from your home work from wherever um then again visit the website ironbrook.co.uk slash join and uh, then you can have a chat with rich and i and we'll get you going thanks very much guys appreciate your time and we'll see you on the next one no worries Cheers. good to talk to you